Hey, good morning, everyone. Did you get enough sleep? You know, you try to go to bed earlier. It's like, that doesn't work. It just, it never works. How many of you, someone has said something to you that just made you feel really good? Like, gave you a compliment, encouraged you. Yesterday, we were at our men's gathering, and uh, we gather with other churches, too, once a month. And we were in a gymnasium, and I was at a table with two young men, and they're 18 years old that... uh, uh, ben and Matt were their names, and 18 years old, great, great guys, love the Lord. And we were just going around the room, and I don't know why we were sharing our ages. We were just went around the room, of, you know, hi, I'm Ben, I'm 18, I'm Matt, I'm 18, hi, Barton, I'm 55. Matt, <laughs> Matt almost fell out of his chair. He goes, I thought you were 40. So Matt and I are best friends now, and um, thank you very much. Yes, yes, I love Matt. Matt, if you're watching, I love you. So uh, thank, you can keep saying that. Um, I am so glad that you guys are here, those you're watching online. As you know, if you've been here any amount of times, uh, many times uh, uh, during Sunday morning, we take a series and we dive into a topic and we look at things and we discuss things that the Bible have to say, not only to understand what God's plan and what God's will is, but also to understand to help us grow. And how many know we're always growing? We're constantly growing, and I hope that your pursuit with Christ is a constant one of growth and learning new things. But also, as we go through series, we want to look at relevant things that are happening in our world, and how does the Bible address those? We, we want to answer questions that people are actually asking. And so in this series, in our research, we delved into a lot of questions that people are actually asking. You may have been asked these questions and you're maybe stumped or like, wow, that was a good question. What does the Bible have to say about those things? So, you know, we have a podcast, we have Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page. We have all the, the messages online and podcasts for you to look at things we've talked about. We looked at why is there evil and suffering in the world? Uh, we talked about really difficult things that are in, in the Word of God and how do we deal with those things like slavery and is there genocide in the Bible and how do we deal with these things we dealt with? Is Jesus the only way? Can we trust the words of Jesus? And so we, we really are diving into these hard topics and does the Word of God pass the test on these things today. And today, we are going to, we're going to get into it today. And just pray for me. This is, this is a tough one. And I, I really, the reason why I wanted to deal with this topic today is that we're living in our culture and our world today that really is trying to understand identity and who we are. And the body that we were born with, and many of that we see through the transgender movement and and how do we deal with these issues in our world today? Does the Bible speak to those? Maybe you're struggling with that, or maybe you have a family member, someone that's struggling with it. Does the Bible speak to that? Let me, let me first say this as we, as we dive into that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about why God has such a high view of our bodies, our physical bodies. And we're going to talk about how do we live that out, and how does intimacy look in our world today as being a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I first say this? Let's do everything in love. We as a people of God, we know that the word of God is truth and we, we believe that. But let's balance that with love and compassion for people that struggle. Can we all admit that we are messy and that we all struggle with different things in our lives? If we're just honest with ourselves and if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can pinpoint certain areas of struggle and, and just kind of accentuate that without actually looking at our own lives to say that we're all messy. And the reason why we're all messy and we all struggle is because we all struggle with sin. 
And unless we have a correct biblical worldview of our world today, we're going to have a, a difficult time trying to traverse through all these difficult topics. We need to understand that we live in a, in a sinful world that was broken because of sin. And we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 today and talk about God's original design for, for us, for humankind. And we can learn so much in Genesis 1 and 2 about God's original design for us, our identity, male and female, and his design for marriage, and his design for intimacy and purity and holiness. All right there in, in Genesis 1 and 2. And then we see the destruction because of sin and consequences of sin. And we see that in our world today. So we all struggle with that. And that's why I'm a follower of Jesus, because Jesus came to come and restore that which was broken because of sin and restore our relationship back with God. I want you to know this morning that no matter what choice have you made in your past or wrong things or things that have happened to you that were atrocities, that were wrong, I want you to know this morning right off the bat that there's healing in Jesus, that Jesus comes to redeem and heal and sanctify us. So everyone in this room, we are all on the same playing field. We're all at the same level. No one is better than anyone else. We all struggle. We are all sinners. And we're in need, desperately in need of a Savior who knows us better than anyone else who gave his life for us, and we need to identify with him. See, the world is chasing after answers to try to fix the reason why there's this identity crisis, the reason why I don't feel good about myself, the reason why I have struggle accepting myself. There's a disconnect between who we understand in Christ Jesus, and Jesus came to fix that. So when I attach myself to Christ and his identity and what he did for me, he gives me a brand new lease on on life. He gives me a new understanding about myself that I can find forgiveness and wholeness in him and that Jesus covers my sin and all my inadequacies in him when I put my faith in him. So that's my hope for you. That's a sermon within the sermon. So let's pray and we can go home. No, let's, let's, let's dive into this. So there's two things I want to dive into today. Two things I want to dive into today. I want to dive into the question that we hear in our world today that, that things like it's my body and my choice. So I want to dive into that and understand, is that true? Is it my body? Do, do I have the freedom to do whatever I want with it? We're going to look at what Scripture has to say, say about that. And, and does God really care about what you do in your body or how you treat your body? And I think sometimes we, we, we have this understanding about the Bible that the Bible just tells me all the don'ts about my life. Don't do this, and it's a bunch of rules. But I want you to understand that a correct understanding of who God is and his grace and his mercy is all about freedom. God wants to set you free from yourself, from the bondage that has, that has happened because of sin and rebellion, that God actually wants to set you free. And God actually wants to give you a new lease, a new hope on life, and to understand who you are and how you're created in God's image, that we are all image bearers of God. So I want to talk about this in the transgender movement. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. And then I also, part two of today's message, I also want to talk about um, just what is God's plan for intimacy? What is God's plan for a a marriage? What is God's plan for what you do um, within your body? So we're going to hit those two things hard today. So uh, could we pray? I need your prayers. (laughs) This is going to be a tough one today, but I appreciate your prayers. And uh, so can we just bow before the Lord? Jesus, as we come before you today, we need your help. 
We live in a world today that is just defining things every which way, and it's so confusing. And there are hurting people out there, and we are all messy. We are all hurting, and we need you today, Jesus. So I pray that you would help me to convey your thoughts and what your word says, that I would get out of the way, Lord, and you would speak to hearts and lives. Those that are struggling today, those that are struggling with identity, those that are struggling with their own personal lives, those that are struggling with their past, past choices, things that have been done to them, Lord, I pray that they would find healing in you and that we would discover who we truly are in you, God. That through Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. And behold, you've come to make all things new, Jesus. Help us to understand that today as we look into your word. And we thank you for your love, Jesus. And we ask all these things in your precious name. And all God's children said, amen, amen. So first, let me just say this isn't an easy topic to talk about because we live in a very charged and polarizing culture right now. We live in a culture that has really blurred the lines of sexual identity. So the topic of gender identity or or gender fluidity is a topic that's even being discussed amongst young children. And and if you've been watching the news this week, you can can see much of this has been brought up, especially in, in in the state of Florida. And so I want to address that topic today, and also I want to address the topic of purity in our relationship. And I want to get this right. I want us to get this right as followers of Jesus Christ. So my desire is to look into scriptures and see that God does care about our gender and why there's so much uh, confusion today, and then look at the question of sexual purity. So I believe that God gives us the answers for those things, and and the scriptures tell us that God created both male and females, and God cares about our physical bodies that he created within us, and he's created that, that with a purpose, and we're not to look at that lightly. We're not to look at our physical bodies lightly. And I also want us to understand that God has this high standard for what we do with our bodies and why he created us male and female, and it's, it's important for us to understand this and the design that God had for his creation. So I want to look at these things because when we understand a high view of our physical bodies, it, 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 it allows us to understand other things more clearly. So it's just not in the areas of looking at gender fluidity um, or, or even sexual purity. When we have a high view of why God created our bodies, it, it's, 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 it's going to cause us to care about other things. Like, like, why does God care about an unborn child? Because God cares about people. He cares about our bodies. It's going to help us to care about elderly people and euthanasia. See, when we have a low view of the body, we have a low view of God's creation. We have a low view of what he's created. And we need to be careful that we look at creation as something that God has created. And God has a high view of whether it's an elderly person that someone may say, well, their life is not valuable. Guess what? To God it is. Or the life of an unborn child, it's important to God. That's a life that he created. That's why God cares about your identity and what you're struggling with within your own personal life. He cares about that because he created you. So let me just say, this is not going to be an easy message for me today. It's heavy on my heart, but I want us to have the heart of Christ in dealing with these issues. In many ways, let me just be honest with you, in many ways, Christians have not done probably the best job in dealing with these issues in love. And sometimes we've forgotten that people need grace and mercy. Not just someone spouting off a bunch of Bible passages at them. We can be all truth and then no love. But I never want us to forget that Jesus gave his life for all people. 
And let me just tell you this. I want us never to forget that we are four people. As a church, we're four people. Jesus gave his life for people. And I know that uh, we can have very strong opinions on these issues, but may we never lose our love for people. Amen? See, we always need to first deal with our hearts before looking at everyone else's. So may we always, in these discussions, let me first say this, in these polarizing discussions, may we always walk in the spirit of Christ in humility and always looking at our heart that we need a Savior and that we need God's grace and mercy and we need to walk in humility. So to understand why God has such a high view of our bodies, we need to go back to the creation account in Genesis. So let's look at Genesis 1.27. Let's see what God says here. Let's see what it said in the beginning. It said, so God created mankind in his what? Own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I believe if we don't have this correct, it can really lead us down some bad roads. And it's God's plan for intimacy. Now, let me first say this before we jump into this. I am not here to judge people and heap condemnation on people and shame. What I'm here to do is I want to bring freedom through God's word to your life. Many of us have made bad choices in our past, and many times we feel like because of these bad choices I've made, I might just damage goods. Can God still bless me? Can God still use me? Can I say this? Absolutely yes, 100%. And so what I want to do for you, for either those of you that... Um, just you said, man, pastor, I've made a lot of bad choices in my past or I've had broken marriages or whatever that may be. I'm not here to heap condemnation or guilt upon you here today. What, what I'm here to do is to stress and express God's plan for intimacy in our lives by looking at the high view that God has for our bodies and that he sees and he wants us to walk in this purity, not in guilt and shame, but in freedom for how God designed us. Okay, does that, everybody's Okay. Everybody just say, okay. Okay, we're not going to throw anything at you, Pastor, okay? Okay, so let's look at God's design. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, and let's look at God's design for relationships. We're going to extract a lot out of this design that God had as he created Adam and Eve. It says, so man gave names to the livestock and the birds and the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was, was found. So the Lord caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the, the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from, from the rib and had taken out the man, uh, taken out of the man, and he brought it to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And here's what we're going to dive into. This is so good. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united, underline that, to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, let's, let's, what does this mean? This is quoted in the New Testament. This is Jesus's definition of a relationship. If anyone may ask you, that, some, some people may ask questions like, where, where in the Bible does it specifically say that, that um, sex outside of marriage is forbidden? Where, where does it specifically say that? You're not going to actually find those exact words, but here it is right here in verse 24. Here is God's plan for relationships, for marriages. So let's unpack that and give the reason why. Because I think some people say, well, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Okay, okay, it's just wrong. Why, why, why did God do it that way? What is God's purpose and plan? And this is where no, a lot of people don't dig deeper to understand God's purpose and plan. And it has everything to do with what we do with our bodies and our creation. Everybody say, okay. 
Okay, so you're following me. Good, you guys are so far on the scene. throwing anything at me? Okay, so let, let's, let's dig into this. So God's desire in, this, in our relationships, as we see in Genesis chapter 2, is for our relationships to be pure. They're to be pure. Notice the man and his wife are united, and the word is that they become one flesh. Now, what does that mean? There is a union that happens. At, at, at first, the man is not in union with his wife. He's under the covering of his parents. The wife, at that point, is under the covering before they're married, under the covering of her parents. It says he leaves his mother, and he comes to his wife, and now they become one. They become one. There's a relationship. Something happens. There's a uniting. So it's just not a physical union. It's both spiritual and emotional. There's this oneness that occurs. Marriage is the closest of all human relationships. Why? Why is that? Because there is a literal oneness that occurs. And so what God does is God establishes physical oneness in the context of of marriage. Okay, why? Well, let's look at the word unite. United means to hold fast. And what this literally means is it's a covenant. It's a covenantal relationship that God establishes with man and his wife. It's a covenantal relationship. So, so why does God see the marriage so much more than just a contract? How many of you know you, we all need to get a marriage license when we get married, right? How many know that a marriage license doesn't keep a marriage together? Amen. Now, now you're preaching, Pastor. Come on. You're preaching. So can you imagine? Listen, let's all go back to our wedding day, right? Those of you who are married. Remember the wedding vows, right? Remember those? Remember the wedding vows? Remember when it says, when you, you, you stood, you know, and you gave your vows, and it was like, you said, you know, I'll do the dishes if you do the garbage. Remember those? Remember that? Remember that? I'll, I'll do the ironing if you do the laundry. Remember that? Now, if, if that was said at the wedding, you'd pick up your toaster and your gift, and you'd run out the back of the door, right? You'd say, what, what kind of wedding is this? It's a, that's a contract. What God establishes in Genesis chapter 2 is this covenant. Man and a wife becoming one. So when you go back to your wedding day and you remember your vows, for better or for? You see, you all remember. For richer or for? In sickness and in? Right? Let's just do it right now. Couples, let's just have... No, I'm just... Um, so what I want you to see there is what type of language is that? It's not contractual. It's not if you do this, I'll do that. And most marriages are this power struggle and, and this, and this um, inability to be vulnerable because we don't want to be taken advantage of. Why is that? Why is it that we say these vows, we understand the biblical meaning, even if, even if you meant it or you didn't mean it, we say these vows on our wedding day, but we don't live it out. Here's the reason why. There's a struggle with our sin and oneness. There's a disconnect. Follow me, people. This is good. Follow me. There's a disconnect from what we originally understood for the context of a marriage where God brings the two together in a covenantal love where the two become one. They are united. They are united. There's a physical thing that happens in that, in that uh, uniting together. The physical act is symbolic of the covenant of God bringing the couple together. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. And what happens is because of the waywardness of our heart and the sin of our heart, 
that gets in the way of our relationships. That gets in the way of our marital relationships. Because we're all self, we all are selfish, right? We want our own way. And we're constantly fighting against the proclivity of our heart to have it our way. But originally, God said there were to be this oneness where we serve and we love each other. In fact, I want you to understand, I'm going to take this even higher, even higher, because this is where most people miss it. And many Christians miss it in their understanding of the context of a marriage covenant. Why does God see the marriage as a covenant? I love what Pastor John Piper says here. He says, in other words, the covenant involves in leaving mother and father and holding fast to a spouse and becoming one flesh is a portrayal, watch, watch this, this is so good, is a portrayal of the covenant between Christ and his church. Wow. That's taking it to a whole new level, Pastor. Absolutely. Marriage exists ultimately. Ultimately to display the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. That is why the word of God tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. You see, covenantal language speaks this. I'll never leave you or forsake you, and nothing can separate you from my love. That's how Christ speaks to us. It's completely by Christ's grace and his love that he receives us. We don't bring anything to the table. There's no performance. There's no works that we can do. Jesus simply died for us while we were still sinners. God demonstrates his love that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. All done by his mercy and his grace. So God speaks that covenantal language to us through his son Jesus by saying, I love you. I'll never leave you or forsake you and nothing can separate you from my love which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And then he says, that's how it's to be reflected in our marriage. It's so much more than just two people coming together. It's all about this covenant that we're reflecting this covenant that Christ has ultimately made to us through his grace. And the covenant that God made with us through, his, through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. See, God's relationship with us is based on grace. And so that is why the covenant speaks these words that I'll never leave you or forsake you. Our relationship with Jesus is holy and established on his sacrifice for us. Jesus gave his body for us as a sacrifice. He bled and died. The nails were thrusted into his hands and feet. A crown made out of thorn was thrusted into his head for you and I. He died a bodily death for you and I because he loved us. And so God sees the marriage as so much more than just two people who love each other and two people who have chemistry for each other, right? Because, listen, when we, when we base our love simply on the physical side of it, I mean, no, that doesn't always work out. And I think we've bought the lie that it's like, well, if you do A, B, and C, then your marriage is going to be wonderful and your intimacy is going to be wonderful, right? Listen, I've been pastoring way too long and heard way too many stories because we have a wrong view. Because if we can understand why God created intimacy for marriage and, and why God cares about our bodies, we're going to look at it differently. We're going to look at it as a sacrifice. We're going to look at it as vows that we've made that we've established to one another. And so the reason why God sees intimacy as part of the covenant, it's because the covenant 
the covenant is symbolic by that union, both physical, spiritual, and emotional. When it's outside that covenant, it's outside of God's original plan of oneness. God wants you to do everything, especially in your relationship, your marriage relationship, to lead to oneness. Oneness. And how I many you know we are selfish, we're going we're gonna to have disagreements, but what are we doing to serve each other, to love each other, to lead to that oneness? God sees the relationship and what we do in our body as holy. And the context for that covenant is seen within the marital, marital relationship. So, so why? It, it, why why is, is God who, who joins the couple together, why is, is intimacy so important in the way God sees it? It's because of this reason. God wants nothing to come between that relationship. And there are so many things that can drive a wedge between that covenantal relationship. That's why Jesus gives everything to us and he doesn't want sin. Not, not, Jesus doesn't come and say, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. I want you to live this way. Dude, don't, 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 don't. Okay, there needs to be parameters around our life to keep us safe. But the reason why Jesus wants to protect us from making bad decisions and sinful decisions in our life because it will ultimately affect our relationship with him. That's the reason why. The reason why God wants the marriage to be pure in every aspect is because he wants nothing to come in between that relationship that he established, that he brought together. The Hebrew writer says it well in Hebrews 13, 4. He says, let the marriage be held in honor among all. Don't take it lightly because God brought it together. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexual, immoral, and the adulterous. And basically what the Hebrew writer is saying this, saying this by, by keeping the marriage bed undefiled, don't let anything come between that covenant of marriage. And God looks at the marriage bed is holy because he is the one that established it. Anything outside of that, God sees as immoral. God wants nothing to come between our marital relationship or our relationship with Jesus. So what we do in the body, ultimately, God cares about. So why can't we just say, well, pastor, it's just a physical thing. Are you kidding me? You know, you're old-fashioned. Are you welcome to, you know, 2022, right? Why can't we just say it's a physical thing? Because through God and through his word, we can't separate it. You can't separate it. We can't use the excuse that the, the affair meant nothing to me. It was just a physical thing. How many times we've heard that one? It didn't mean anything. T- trying to soften it. Here's the reason why. God sees the union of our bodies as spiritual. He sees the union of our bodies as spiritual and outside the context of marriage, God sees it as immoral. Now, let me, give you, let me give you this last verse here that I think Paul reiterates this very point of why things done outside the context of marriage is, is, is immoral to God. Let's see what Paul says here. As he writes to the Corinthians who were very immoral, they were living a very immoral lifestyle before they came to Christ. And so Paul's trying to teach them, listen, what you do in your body matters. God sees it as holy. God sees your body as sacred. It's, it's actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what you do, and it does matter to God. And listen to what he says. 
Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, listen, he quotes, he quotes, he quotes, he quotes. He goes back to Genesis. The two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So this, this is his encouragement. This is what he tells the Corinthian church. Flee from sexual immorality. All other things, sins a person commit are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So God sees our bodies as sacred. God sees our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul states that the sexual sin has really two components. It's a sin against Christ and it's a sin against our own bodies. So we can't simply say it was just a physical thing. God sees sexual sin as a spiritual one for this very reason. It's outside his covenant. And God knows what's best for us. Listen, can I just be completely honest? Let me just, just us here this morning and everybody that's watching online. Listen, listen, let's be really careful here because I think sometimes when we've been hurt or we've had a bad relationship or we've had a bad breakup in a marriage, we tend to soften our view on these things because we say, well, it didn't work. And I tried all these things and it didn't work. So I'm going to kind of soften my view on sexual morality and I'm going to, you know, because it just didn't work. Can I, can I just be so honest with you this morning? Please don't do that. God still has a plan. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. I'm sorry that there may have been abuse in your relationship. I'm sorry for that. That's not right. And that's not God's plan. And I'm sorry for that. But God's standard for you does not change. God's plan for you does not change. He still cares about what you do in your body. He still wants you to be committed to him in those areas. And I know, listen, I know for you it's not easy and it's a struggle. And we're hearing the world tell us, no, it's okay. It doesn't matter what you do. It's just a physical thing. That's all we hear. But God says, no, 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 I created you. And I care about you. And I want your fulfillment to be in me and me alone. And you will find so much more joy and fulfillment and happiness when you find yourself in me. And there is that in Christ that he will fulfill those needs and desires you ultimately have. He will fulfill it in him. He will. But you've got to trust him. And just because the world says one thing and people are, are allowing their, their standards to, to drop down because the world or whatever, because I've got her, doesn't mean that God doesn't still care about these things or his word changes over those things. He still has a plan for your life and he cares about your purity. And here's the other thing. He brings healing. Even in the bad choices, he brings healing and he redeems us and he still uses us. So I'm sorry for many of you that, and I've talked with many of you and I've been pastoring this church for 22 years. So you hear the stories and I, and I grieve with you and I, some of them are just bad situations, but let me just encourage you for those of you that are single, those of you that, you know, that are married, be pure in your relationships. And I'm not trying to put it guilty. If you ever have a lustful thought, you're all going to hell. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Please don't, please don't think that. What I'm saying is honor God in your relationships. He will honor you. He will sustain you. 
He will hold you up in his hand. I think for many of us, I was talking with a couple not too long ago, and we're talking about all these things, and they're just like, man, we never heard this before. This is all new to us. This is, this is really good. This is good teaching. You know why? Because it's true. And God knows you better than you know yourself. God designed marriage. The creator of the world knows what he's doing. And when we honor him in that, he honors us and he will hold us up and he will lift us up. Intimacy is a gift. that God gives us in that established covenant relationship of marriage. It expresses the covenant of a husband and wife and what they've made to each other. Now, does that mean it's going to be pure ecstasy? No. Okay, let's just grow up, okay? My mom's going like this right now in the second row. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I come to church today? Listen, our love for Christ needs to be beyond all that. Because when we're, when we're in love with Christ and we want to serve him, there's this servant attitude that says, I'm going to serve you, Lord, in spite of all this other messiness. And I need to love with your love because I'm committed to the covenant above everything else. So I would tell you today, be committed to Christ. And for those of you that are struggling or struggling with your marriage or have gone through difficult marriage, let me just implore you here today, stay committed to Jesus, okay? Allow him to bring healing to your wounds, and I'm sorry for what you've gone through. Let him bring healing to your wounds. But in your life and in your singleness, whatever, your, whatever the situation may bring forth in your life, stay pure, stay committed, and honor Jesus in your body. May we be a people who show love, who are struggling with their identity. May we be a people who look at our lives and are honoring God in our bodies. And let's always be reminded of God's grace and forgiveness and healing as we serve him. Amen? I love you guys. Father God, we just thank you for today. Lord, this isn't an easy message and there's so many different stories here today of hurt and pain and just bad choices. And I thank you, Jesus, that you take all of that and you took all of that on yourself. And Jesus, I just pray today for those that are hurting, those that maybe are struggling with their identity, struggling with past pain, struggling with their, with their uh, purity. God, I pray that, that, Lord, you would help us to understand the reason why you see these things are important. And the reason why you've set up these things because you know us best. You know what, what, what will protect us. You know what will keep us healthy before you, God, and striving after you. And so I thank you. Even though, even though it flies in the face of what our world tells us to do today, I pray, Lord, that we would honor you in our bodies and realize that you are a creator and that you, you created us, Lord, to know you. Even though we're flawed because of sin, you created us and you, you used your son Jesus to bridge that gap, to die for our sins. And so, Lord, I just pray for healing and reconciliation here today. 
And I thank you for allowing us to know your plan for our lives. So just, I pray you touch hearts today. And just, if we're struggling with this word today, Lord, I pray that you just keep working it into our hearts and our souls, Lord, to know that you love us and you created us and you do want the best for us. As hard as it may seem, as difficult as this world is and the things that have happened to us, you love us. And I thank you for that. We just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can we say amen, church? We thank the Lord for his word today. God is good. Amen. Amen. Amen.